Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Hegemony. Hegemony? 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 The European hegemony? You should really read more history, number one. And say it out loud. Hegemony. Okay, <laughs> but it is a difference, I think, of British English and American pronunciation. Well, Riker, I think, wouldn't. Riker has never heard the word, and if Picard <laughs> says it how he wants to, then, you know. Hegemony. hegemony. Hege- it is hegemony, but which is dominance over one country or social group, uh, mm. dominance of one country or social group over others. It's not a good thing. So no. the era of European hegemony is era oh bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think it's like Europe became. Well, that's doesn't Picard even say it was the beginning of a world government? So it was when it was when globalization was starting to happen. So Europe became, I think, Europe became what I guess the European Union is. And then instead of the little states being their own thing, they were all under the European Union. So it's kind of like it's just a, so it's, it's the like euro. Well, it's it's a it's like a <laughs> consolidation of power of one entity over a bunch of them, which is, I guess is kind of also how we're formed, right? We were thirteen different colonies, and we came together under one government and became the United States. I think, as yeah, the, and we decided that with every transition of power, we are going to storm oh the Capitol building <laughs> through the act of sedition, which is violence ah. uh, in the transition of power. Yeah, we went there. <laughs> It happened yesterday. And I think I us. think the hegemony part of I think the hegemony part of that can be bad or good depending on like the context of it. It's just like the word of it is really just the control of one entity over like some others. But it can be also, military and economics, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well and well, historians generally study the bad things that happen. Generally. <laughs> but like world but that's why Picard was I think Picard was trying to be positive about it because he said it's the beginnings yeah. of world government, which is like globalization and like everybody coming together to form one power structure here. As if it were foreshadowing mm. something. What episode is this? <laughs> it's a somewhat forgettable episode up the long ladder. Oof. The Enterprise. Do discover- we want to do this episode? I, I kind of do. Well, yeah, I, I had I enjoyed it more than I remembered enjoying it the first time. The synopsis. Oh well, maybe you weren't paying attention to the right parts there, lad. <laughs> That's pretty good. You sound like her. Yeah. It's the one accent I've practiced, and you know what? What I know about farming women is that we wear way too much eyeliner. She was, was the least perfect. farm-like of all of them. She had the most beautiful dresses, too. And, like, all of them mm-hmm. were pretty, like, burlap sack-looking outfits for most part. But she had these wonderful gowns. And... She because she demanded perfect. it. She's a strong woman. <laughs> uh, the likes of a Klingon woman, if you ask me. I was going to say before, like, we had commented, I had commented on Deanna Troy's makeup as being great this season. The makeup artist, I think, it had similar inspirations for hers because it was great. Yeah, she had I loved great. it. Great style. I jumped on your synopsis of the episode from Memory Alpha. You did. It's no problem. And actually, I don't this, – this synopsis is a little silly. It's the Enterprise discovers two threatened colonies which must cooperate to survive, which it's not silly, I guess. It's the Spoilers. actual rep- – Yeah, the definition. But, like, we don't even discover the second colony until, like, two-thirds of the way through this episode. Hmm. This episode is almost which, like two different things. 
Yeah, I thought that the second colony, which we'll get to, you know, what they are and what they do later, but I thought they were more interesting and should have their own standalone episode. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. You know, uh, Becca Scott, uh, co-host of this show. Hello, I'm Becca Scott Ensign. (laughs) Let me check my notes here. Uh, Ensign. (laughs) She looks down at her own collar. Uh, Well... I just wanted to mention that, like, when I saw, I think the act, the character's name is Brenna, right? Brenna. Uh, I was like, "Whoa, oh. Becca could play this role." Like d- that turn around. I had the thought too. Oh, do you think? Because I got a lot of Irish anger in me, or maybe it's German. We'll find out when I get my twenty-three and me results. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe dial it down to like down to ten on the accent. <laughs> 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 this is the note for all of my acting. <laughs> Let's start back at a base of 10. <laughs> well, uh, Xander Genre, where we begin this episode is with Worf's tummy troubles, right? I think he's up on yes. the, he's up in the bridge and uh, he's just kind of like... And I was like, what What happens during tense situations and people need to use the restroom? Like, do they step out? Because mm-hmm. I know there is supposedly a washroom over on the left side, right? There that is. That we never see. There is. We looked at the blueprints. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we mm-hmm. talked about it in maybe the writing episode, too. But Right. Did that ever tie in or get resolved? Yeah. He, had, he had the Worf measles. Has... Yeah, he... but we didn't. It, didn't, it was, it was on... completely dropped after mm-hmm. the first act. Kind of, yeah. There was the small resolution with Pulaski, because wow. she's great, and I it love her. It was a little her. romantic, and I liked that. We'll get, <laughs> yeah. to it. we'll get to it. Let's start with the teaser. When we start hearing uh, Admiral DJ Kong tummy troubles. Uh, wanting to talk about some some uh, weird audio text messages he got, maybe it was a pocket audio dial text. or something, it sounds <laughs> like someone's playing Space Invaders. Right? Like, I, I was instantly like, is that... Is that asteroids? What is that noise? And he asks him to even like ascertain, like, what is that? Do you remember? Mm. And what is it like? Okay, some... I think God. it was a distress signal sent by the goats and pigs. <laughs> yes, help In us. Morse code. <laughs> and we meet the Bringloidy. Well, I just uh, the in this scene with them together, Picard is so proud of Riker. He's like, ooh. Ooh, my number one figured it out, and it took them a full day to figure it out. Aren't you so smart? And I was like, aww. Beauties. Pick a feeling and stick with it, you know? Mm. Picard's secrets of acting. So they've discovered, yeah, this beacon that's way out in uh, a Terran beacon specifically, which means it's from Earth, and Earth. that it's it's old and it's not where it should be because there were no explorations out this far. Hold on. Who do you think's listening to this podcast who doesn't know the meaning of the word Terran? <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> actually, this is a good poll. Uh, anybody who's listening who didn't initially know what the meaning of Terran is, let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, tweet us. Uh, tweet Becca specifically. And Yes, make sure to tag and her. And don't be ashamed. It's okay to not know that. There's no, <laughs> there's no like, pride here. I just, I'm curious if Terran is a familiar term. Yeah. Where did you first learn the word Terran? Was it Star Trek? I know specifically. You just knew. I went to a theater program in my sophomore year of uh, high school at Indiana University. And I uh, had to memorize some obscure poem. And it had the word Terran in it. Mm. Oh, interesting. Was it like a Starcraft Mm -hmm. uh, poem? (laughs) Yeah. Was it a mirror universe thing? Did you say you went to high school at a university? 
No, I did like a summer program Extra. for for theater acting. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, we we meet we we rescue these people. Uh, they find a planet. Uh, there is a colony of people, and there's solar flares that are hitting the planet, and they're probably going. It was a planet. I thought it was a ship. Mm, it was a. Where would they put the hay? Say it, Xander. Planet. Uh, class M planet. Do you know what a class M planet is, Becca? Do you remember? Who would listen to this okay. podcast that doesn't know what a class M planet okay, is? Okay, so that's interesting. So if you don't know what it, no, uh, we've actually talked about it before on this podcast. It's a inhabitable planet by like most humanoid species. And I believe early on they say that there are two class M planets or something along those lines. Oh yeah, they do mention there's another one, but they kind of brush it off because they're trying to set that. They're planting that seed for the second colony, right? Right, right. So there's these solar flares. They're going to die if they don't get evacuated. Riker goes down on his own, and <laughs> he just sends up a message. He's like, listen, there's some things you got to know. And Picard's like, no, let's just get him up there. He's like, yes, but. He's like, nope, just but- get him up. Bring everything. Yeah. Let's go. No matter what. Can, before, Okay, so of course, whenever in doubt, just send Riker to go check it out. But there was this specific scene, the camera work. Okay, so Picard's staring at the green screen where we know the viewfinder is with the solar flare planet, and it just stays focused on Picard as we see Riker move into the background, get into the turbo lift, oh, out yeah. of focus. It wasn't yeah. a rack focus where you no. change the focal point, and it was not a deep focus, which is a very fancy thing where you can have two focal lengths. It was just stayed on Picard. I was like, no, keep standing there, keep standing there, keep standing there. He's in the turbo lift. Don't move. Don't move. Keep looking at the view screen. He's gone. End of scene. <laughs> I think well, it I- happens a couple of times, but that one I remember specifically like, oh, they were waiting for that exit, and they were just <laughs> sitting there it's a testimony to how good patrick stewart is as an actor that he has to sustain like an interested look for longer than he should because the shot should be Mm -hmm. shorter than that right but Mm -hmm. these actors are at the whims of both the editors and the directors and so they they don't have a choice they have to do what they can while they're on camera however long that might be well this is why gates mcfadden got replaced this season right (laughs) because of that one shot where she was like are you still going and you could see her eyes flickering over the camera and then back Um, But I think this, Jake, you had brought this up when we were in the earlier episodes of you hadn't remembered the music being such a big part of it. I think this is a stark contrast of they're keeping like the soap takes, the soap opera angles of wait until the scene is finished and a crescendo in the music. But when there's no music, you're just kind of waiting. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The absence is just as noticeable as when it's there, right? Yeah. Yeah, That shot was very interesting to me too, especially because really the only line he's like, just go down to the planet or something really base like that. And it's just like, okay, and we're still here. Here, I go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I do want to bring up the the other plot with Worf too, with the tummy troubles, Mm -hmm. because they do have the tea ceremony as Mm -hmm. thanks. And uh, I love Dr. Catherine Pulaski. And this was the great scene. Well, well, Worf was feeling ill because it got a case of Arabak Ungor. <laughs> yes. You've been working on your Klingon. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he's got a case of the Klingon uh, measles, which is a childhood ailment. But what's her reasoning for him having it again? It can resurge or something? I didn't remember what she said. I don't remember well, either. Whatever it is, he's got, he's got it, it. And he's very embarrassed by it. And so mm-hmm. she, and I wonder, Becca, if this endears us or endears you to her more. Uh, she right. covers for him and she she uh, gives a little white lie to Picard. Mm-hmm. 
She gets half a point for saying, actually, he was doing a Klingon fast and forgot that you have to stop moving so much yeah. when you do a fast or you fall down. Why a half a point? That's a great thing. I, this is one of the most I'll endearing uh, exchanges I thought with her. Hmm. No, it's pretty good. It's just <laughs> yeah. like when you're so low on the points. Yeah. For oh, Rekha when the Pulaski bias scale, is it's harder to. Uh... Yeah, yeah. The Pulaski bias. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have to take that into consideration. <laughs> no, she's growing on me. I like the tea ceremony, and I like that she kind of was flirty. With Worf. You know, I thought that for sure the tea ceremony, something about it was going to come back into play later on in the episode, like in some, some way, you know, some like, I don't know. She gets Klingon measles. It was cut for time so they could have that exit of Riker at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) Right, right. You got to keep the important stuff. (laughs) Well, I like the tea ceremony too because it wasn't that they just drank tea. It's like she actually isn't supposed to drink it because it could poison her. And then she's like, you know what? Let's dance with the devil. I'll drink yellow. this antidote. <laughs> yeah, yellow. Yeah. <laughs> if she was really a badass, she'd take the antidote after. Mm, yeah. Right. But then Worf would have to administer it, and we've seen how he is at AIM. He would just miss the hypo <laughs> Yeah. He would leap over the deck to do it, too. Yeah, true, yeah. True. and it would okay, explode. Okay, she does get two whole points in my book for drinking the tea, because mm-hmm. that's a badass move. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, several hundred more points to go. Um, well, we wrapped up the the C plot, I guess, but we still have the A plot to deal with. So these right. these colonists come on board, uh, and they bring along with them some goats, and a bunch of hay gets transported. I've never seen so much stuff on the ground brought along with a transport team. The detritus. Some say it's stuck in their claws and their pockets, because typically the things from the ground don't get brought along with you when you go through a transport. Well, okay, so here's my working theory for that, because this is what Riker was trying to talk to Picard about, was that they wouldn't leave without the animals, right? Uh, And so there had to have been a conversation between Riker and O'Brien going, okay, like 16 life forms to beam up. And then further, him trying to explain to them, they don't need hay. We can replicate. We have magic food dispensers <laughs> on our walls that will make the grass that will feed your animals and them just not being convinced. And like, if you want us to go, it has to be the animals and the food for the animals because that's how we live. And the name of the person who is the father of the love interest, the head of the colony, Danilo Odell. Uh, he must have been the one that had this discussion. Yes. Or I, I would also believe it was her. Yeah. Putting as as we see later. Well, no, because he he definitely gets his first look at her at in the cargo bay. Oh, right? that's true. So, Riker does. so yeah. these people come on board. Uh, the leader offers O'Brien a flask of whiskey in one of the most cliche choices ever. Uh, it works. <laughs> it, it does work. <laughs> Um, and it becomes a character point for O'Brien. I will say, like, as much as I was expecting to roll my eyes at this episode, and I did a couple times, I did find it pretty funny when Worf and Picard were walking towards the transporter room and a chicken leapt out, and this little girl's like, grabs it and runs back in. And it's like completely silent when the door shuts, and then when it opens again, there's just chaos inside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, quickly, let's just talk about the overall impressions of this episode, not as a whole, but just the characterization of these Irish colonists. And then the woman who wrote it, who uh, we've loved her episodes in the past, Melinda Snodgrass. You did some research. I still like Melinda Snodgrass. Well, in general, the thing is, like, this is a racist depiction of Irish Mm. people. But at the same time, it's like a positive 
stereotype of the the drinking, partying, uh, carousing, and like living in the moment stereotype. So it's it's not as bad as other stereotypes that we've seen of uh, you know modern day peoples and. Even though they're not racist in this time period, they're still creating an episode in the 80s or in the early 90s mm-hmm. where uh, they only know what they know. So did you – how did you know – you just caught that Melinda Snodgrass wrote it. Like you didn't do any research on this because you're, you're right. Ask him some memory elf. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to read her quote about it because I think it's really pertinent because she didn't quite intend it to come out quite this way. From, from memory alpha, there's a listing here or a quote from her that says – it was intended to be a commentary about immigration because I hate the current American policy. I wanted to be something that says something. Uh, sometimes these outsiders you think are so smelly and wrong colored can bring enormous benefits to your society because they bring life and energy. That's what I was going for. Now, my boss at the time was Maurice Hurley, who was a major Irishman and leads the St. Patrick's Day Parade. When I was describing to him what I wanted to do, I was trying to come up with an analogy, and I said it was like a little village of Irish tinkerers, and he loved it so much he made them the Irish tinkerers. I said, okay, mm-hmm. and and that's how it came about. So, like, I think he got a little carried away with his, like, <laughs> his embrace mm. of the culture. Well, because it's the same thing that we've run into in the past of, of them trying to transplant, like, Earth culture somewhere else in space and time because they had the props or the costumes or the actors or whatever. Um, it's just that if they had just made them aliens, with it would have worked. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Like. A bit of makeup, some uh, bumps on your that's nose. That's the fun of it being Star it. Trek, anyway. Like this plot could right. have almost happened on Earth. Like we're out in space. Let's do space things. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, especially because like they already kind of made this mistake with Code of Honor. Yeah, and they don't need to make it again. <laughs> like <laughs> enough with this. Right. So uh, we find the leader is uh, like, what's the, even their problem? They're just they. We need to figure out how to assimilate them back into society. And so there's a little bit of discussion about that. But most notably, uh, Brenna They're, makes eyes mm-hmm. to Riker. Riker and yeah, man. big hostile energy coming from Picard towards this whole civilization. It's very eye rolly. Why are these people so? Because he's English. Yeah, yeah. English. Well, he's French, but I mean, he's English. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, the the problem that they had was like a solar flare or something that was destroying where where they were living, right? So they had nowhere to go. And like before we knew about the other colony, (gasps) the other colony, (gasps) the other colony, uh, they were like, oh, we're going to drop them off on a star base and then they're someone else's problem. Now, the other colony is on a different planet where they were originally headed, but then they got dropped off or they had a ship that didn't make it, it there. There were two ships off. of the Mariposa and one of them crash landed on this planet. Did you know that Mariposa was Spanish for <gasps> moth? I think it was. Butterfly. Mariposa. Could you also oh. define some other things? What is a spinning <laughs> wheel, perhaps? Data? Right. Oh, right. <laughs> There's a scene between Data and Picard where he just starts defining uh, words. Just all of them. <laughs> cool, Data. Cool. Stop, Data. I liked that. I, I laughed at that part. It was good. I, you know, that scene had an interesting piece of information for my utopia-seeking brain, which was this ship took off after World War III when there was a neo-transcendentalism movement, like a new, you know, of John Muir, was it? Or like the trans- original t- transcendentalism was a reconnection to nature, and mm. I think that's what we need now. 
Mm. And it seems like all we need is World War Three to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe there's better alternatives to getting there. Maybe, maybe like a, maybe. a library program or something. But yeah, World War. <laughs> yeah, socialism. <laughs> a bit, a, a poster with a kitten that says "Hang in there." <laughs> Transcendentalism. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, ship of utopian. Yeah. So, uh, in. Brenna and Riker become fast friends, and uh, she makes a little visit to his quarters, and they have a great time. We don't really get wash my feet, feet washing. Don't you yeah. know my feet are dirty? Mm. They look very clean to me, lady. There, mm. there's no dirt on this ship. I want you to wash my feet. Also, have they said out loud that they use sonic showers on starships or not? Yeah, you were the first one to. I think tell us oh, okay. that. I don't remember them oh, okay. bringing that up. It might come up in like Voyager or DS9 or something like that. Um, but I can, I just, I don't know what they think the shower thing is now, but it's probably not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I have a big problem with this and maybe the holodeck can fix it, but hot tubs are the greatest joy that life can oh, bring. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what do they do about, are there sonic hot tubs? Do they have jets? <laughs> It's unclear. Wait till you try a Sonic hot tub, Becca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just Sonic. Why did we do this with water when we could have done it with sound waves? <laughs> yeah. We do see, I think it's in one of the movies or, or or in one of these episodes, we see like the um, vanity where it like pulls mm -hmm. away and then there's like a water fountain mm -hmm. that comes yeah. out. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah, they, do, they try not to show too much bathroom stuff because I guess they just didn't want to get into it. It wasn't. Might a, be it was not a something. thing shown on TV for yeah. many decades. Yeah, but like this was, it was starting to be shown now. Like th this is the late '80s. It's not like they were. It's not like the Brady Bunch on, where they man, were sleeping the in separate beds and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, actually, this was a pretty sexy scene. I, I thought, I thought that was they had some great chemistry for how short their relationship was, which is pretty much those two scenes. She, she was ready. She knew what she wanted. Yeah, she was, for it. man. She also had a costume change from the red outfit to the blue outfit with a higher crop top before walking into Riker's quarters. So hmm. that seems like the time. <laughs> okay. So that Maybe seems there was... like the time. Right. <laughs> then she did a costume change in there and just got a little less clothing on. Yep. They were great dresses. Yeah, oh, for sure. They were excellent. <laughs> she rocked them. Yeah. Uh, you know underneath her blue skirt she was wearing a different blue skirt that was like a slip and that's how she's like you know i'm ready don't you um it's good also i remember what the last scene between pulaski and Worf was so the tea was actually ayahuasca but like right. on ayahuasca and then yeah, their yeah. heads just like turn into camels and then they see space behind each other and this uh, whole episode was a dream it was a trip <laughs> the whole time pulaski and Worf's bad dream. now we bad are days. the measles <laughs> uh well so then we learn about there were two colonies the other the colony? other colony <gasps> clones Gasp every time clones? clones hold on we don't know clones? that yet you're jumping clones? you're jumping the gun clones? no clones, clones? <laughs> they wanted to that make was... sure people understood all the syllables because it's not a common theme <laughs> right right Okay. At this point in so time. So, yes, there is another colony. We go down to visit and we notice something a little strange. That the one black guy gets no lines? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Amongst other things, yeah. Mm. Also, some of these people look eerily alike. And then there's, oh, wait, there's these quadruplets? Mm. Quintuplets? Mm. Sextuplets? 
<gasps> clones. Maybe that's just clones. Clones. <laughs> this society needs to die. The 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 line oh. that he gives later, which is actually what the um the initial title the of the Prime script Minister? was. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, "Send in the clones." That's what this originally was called. Pretty this on is, I, point. I have a big problem with this whole concept because asexuality exists and asexual people exist, and this is this is a weird, bizarre sci-fi way of just being totally disgusted at the concept of cloning and cloning oneself and what that means for your own identity. And, and I think I don't it's think this... that's a reflection. You can think cloning is bad and weird, and asexuality is perfectly fine and normal. Not sure. Well, exclusive. I mean, that they're making this the ultimatum. It, it, they're saying like either you have to become a society that accepts sexuality as a way to reproduce, or you have, to, or, or which includes getting rid of cloning. And they're not saying that you can continue to live as a society because of this breach of cloning ethics. Hey, you know what? You can be asexual and still a, uh, artificially inseminate. There you go. Yeah, I, yes. I guess cloning is different than uh, asexuality to me, especially because with these these people, they have an issue where, like, aren't they getting weaker with their cloning? Isn't that what their problem is? They're dying out? They're applying the, the method of, like, making copies in a copy machine. Because Did that's... you ever see the movie <laughs> Multiplicity? It right. perfectly illustrates all of this. this all of this film. is such a 90s concept of cloning in general of, like, okay, if I make a, fa a fax or a copy of a copy, it get deteriorates over time because the copy can't be as good as the original. And also, when I clone Save a someone, JPEG. It's going, yeah, right. If I clone someone, I'm going. I have the technology to make an exact replica of that person right now. How they look? Yeah, and yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no so splicing, much wrong with no this. editing. Yeah, no. Remember yeah. that they have to grow up from babies. Right, and yeah. so, like, just the concept of of these people not being able to exist, even though they had found a workaround, they had found a way to live in peace without hurting other people whether that be artificial insemination or cloning or whatever it is, the, the fact is they come in, the, the Federation or the representatives of the Federation come in and say, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. We're going to kill these clones and we're going to force like sexuality on you by bringing these other this population into your area. Well, I get it. It, the it was kill, the clones nice... were killed because it was stolen genetic material. True. And if someone steals my genetic material, I will fucking take it back. Although I did check all the boxes for 23andMe, so You're maybe right. they have permission to do that, and that's my bad. Well, there's an interesting conversation there, too, because while them taking the DNA samples was, of course, wrong in a violation, like, the, I guess I don't really understand the the repulsion that is expressed at like how could you have a clone uh, like even the concept of of passing on your dna willingly to create a clone would you want a clone if the clone was not its own person that had you know nature influencing its who it became but it was just xander there was just another xander that was going to come up after you would you want that if I had the context of, like, the vastness of the universe and knowing that, like, me helping this population to survive means contributing something, I don't see how it takes away from me. And I think their biggest point is, like, oh, it damages my legacy and it damages what I contribute to the universe. 
where if you are taking into the consideration like how large all of this is and how there are probably multiple Rikers out there that we will never run into again that are leading completely different lives and contributing to society in a different way that we will ever know about. Well, in all the parallel universes, of course, there's infinite Rikers. Exactly. Um, well, I think it was interesting that Picard said, you know, you're going to find the, the same sentiment with everyone on this ship, which I don't yeah. think is true. I think right. a lot of people may say, no, thank you. And some would definitely say, sure, whatever, take it. Yeah. I think there's also two different issues here at play, which is the mm. the theft of, of mm -hmm. Riker and Pulaski's DNA that, and no, then the act of, of cloning, which is I think right. they were more – from what I remember the episode, they seem to be more concerned with the former rather than the latter. But, like, what was their – I still feel that, like, the issue wasn't the fact they were cloning, was it? Or is it the fact that the the cloning was, like, quote-unquote degrading the genetic That was genetic the material? issue that they so, were running into medically. Right. What, and what we didn't see but what was talked about is – uh, there was a lot of deleted copies. There was a lot of attempted clones that became, oh, you know, oh. monsters or just invalid. Yeah. Or like their lungs were too small to breathe and they died immediately or whatever it is. There was a lot of clones that didn't exist. So it's like... Or, uh, were, not, were not viable. Yeah, it's like genetic experimentation at some point, right? Yeah. And then the bigger metaphor is to abortion and Riker... Mm. I, I did read this in Memory Alpha that Riker originally had a line saying, well, it's my, my body, body my choice. My choice. <laughs> yeah, I think it was something like that. Wow. I yeah. Think it, yeah. Um, that's that's really interesting. It was, she, she said she got a lot of flack from uh, the right on that. Like people that were very pro-life uh, wrote her letters mm -hmm. a lot about this scene. And, and I just wanted to say, too, like, I don't have the solution. And I don't think that there is a good, like, nice, easy answer. I think it would be something that would have to be worked out over time. And I get that the TV program needs it all to wrap up in a nice bow and be like, there's that. But I think there is more of a discussion there. And it just, it, I think what shocked me was just the amount of disgust and shock at the way people had figured out a way to live, you know. Yeah, I think they it. were – from what I remember, I really feel like they were focusing on the fact that the the bad side of – the side effects of what they had done, which is what Becca right. mentioned, which was the failed experiments of people. <laughs> and uh, yeah. just also the fact that they were potentially degrading their own future generations in some way. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what part of this episode the far right would love? <laughs> Referring to women as breeding stock. Yeah, really, that's our main purpose. And they, they are in the conference room. They're like, Prime Minister, we can't help you clone. It's totally evil. And like, there was this moment where he's, they all say no, Pulaski, Riker, and Picard. And then he's like, looking no takers. Hey, do a couple of you want to come down to my planet and see something? Why didn't they go with security detail? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. You guys have just been in like three different situations where you were duped by your kindness into like getting getting taken advantage of, and yet, yeah, just go on down. It'll just be fine. They won't try and force you to give your genetic material. <laughs> anyway, then then it's like, no, hold on, we need a solution. All we need is a people that can become your breeding stock. And then Deanna Troy has this look in her eyes, and she's like, breeding stock. <laughs> <laughs> Like the herds of cattle they brought along with them. Let's just uh, assign three boys for every girl. 
Yeah, that was kind of crazy. They're just like, yeah, three All and one. That's kind of how it's going to have to go. Yeah, yeah. And I, okay. though, I know that there's a lot of problems, like, you know, what the way I just stated it. But at the same time, I do like Brianna's reaction that she's like, three husbands. Three husbands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they had to have put that in there somewhere that it wasn't just a benefit for men, right? That, that women will be into this too, yeah. right? I think if it was a polygamy uh. thing of the level of a man having a bunch of wives, it would have looked real bad yeah well polyamory in, is great so long as it's one woman you know <laughs> <laughs> or you know if the woman wants to have other women no no way. no now um, don't shame all relationship types but polygamy historically has been not great for women for sure typically but typically. that could change here uh, <laughs> this is and another she planet. has a great line which is i don't know that i want to be eve right I thought that was an interesting way of like, oh, wow. And um, then they did sort of, Picard has the line of like, oh, we could take you away. We could drop you off at whatever starbase you want to. And she's like, but what about my family? He's like, yeah, they need you down there, don't they? Huh? <laughs> they really need you. They're going to die if you don't go. But I could I could take you anywhere you want. But if they're going to die. <laughs> hey, we're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Riker's clones die. Um, so they go back to the planet, uh, kill off the clones and say, don't do this. And they deliver. Well, I guess they introduce the Mariposans to the Mariposans, right? Uh, Which is Spanish for um, the butterflies. Uh, moth, Butterfly? was it? I think they didn't mention. <laughs> well, uh, they, I guess uh, he's so impressed by how quaint they are. The the prime minister, when he when Picard takes him on that silent tour of Cargo Bay 7, and he's just looking at this kid who's holding a go- baby goat and he, these two guys laughing. And uh, he's oh, like, it was a pregnant right. woman holding a baby goat. Oh, was it? Yes, because he freaks out about the oh, belly. Oh, that's right. That's he, right. He gets close to touching and is like, don't you touch that woman. And then he doesn't. <laughs> And I was like, good. <laughs> I wish well, Picard had just slapped his hand. completely insulting. Yeah. Get away from that. <laughs> he did completely insult the Brigalondi in the, in the previous scene uh, in the conference room when he mm. says that they're, you know, it's going to take several, uh, an enormous effort just to educate them. It's like, oh, dude. No. <laughs> yeah. No, you're real wrong. <sighs> but the other issue about. Uh, just assuming that this asexual people are going to be able yeah. to or want to reproduce with these people. I mean, sure, they can all live on the planet maybe and learn to cohabitate, but like these people have never had sex, never want to have sex. Why don't they so, want to have sex? Would they say why they can't or won't? They're repulsed by the idea and oh. that they had left it behind like 300 years ago. Or <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, that. like something ridiculous like that. <laughs> what event caused a rapid like the, the great softening <laughs> like, what happened oh my god I'm holding my tongue uh, I don't want to offend asexual yeah. people no but like uh, the, just the idea of a radical shift like that amongst the whole society is pretty the crazy great softening. It <laughs> but it's just you know getting rid Please of the need for that. it finding that's the clone. title of the episode yeah. Sorry, go on what uh <laughs> So I also f- forgot about a part. There's a part where we find out Jordy can kind of tell when people lie. Yeah. What? Yes. That was insane. That was insane. Jordy, you've been holding out on us. That's well, a it's choice not for thing. everybody, but for humans, he's got he's it got down. He's got it down. Like, who's going to play poker with Jordy now? 
Yeah. Actually, nobody. Is he, he must always win. Is he in those games? Game? He has? Okay, I can't remember if he's in yeah. those games. Well, what he said was things like uh, temperature and blushing and heart rate are right. things he can see, so which is really interesting because I've talked it. about before on, on different mediums. What I read about in this book is uh, when you become too power hungry and megalomaniacs are unable to blush. And that's like a very distinct human feature that other animals don't have. That is our way of expressing shame um, and like uh, humbleness. Because they have no shame. Yeah. Oh, interesting. What book mm-hmm. is this from? The one that I quote all the time, Human Humankind by Human. Rucker Bregman. Excellent. I'll put that in mm-hmm. the show notes. Well, I feel no shame in having sat through this episode, but I'm glad to be done with it a little bit. Yeah. Um, you have to give it a lot of grains of salt for the era that it was airing and that it was written in. And it's sometimes it gets a little exhausting to have to give so many passes. You're just like, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, sometimes you go up the long ladder mm. just to go down the short rope. Do they ever? That's do they ever actually say the quote. phrase in that in the no. show? Yeah, no. But yeah. that is the idiom that the title is taken. I don't know from. why they did that, which simply is like a gallows thing, right? Is up the long ladder, down the short rope, is to be hung. So like, I don't. So who's getting hung? Definitely not those involved in the great softening. Riker. <laughs> that seems like a great place in the episode. I mean, I think we should say something together, like what Riker always is, which Brenna also is this episode, which is. Horny on Maine. You didn't do the next episode teaser. You're right. I can. Because next week. Ooh. <laughs> uh, next week it is Manhunt, which sounds much more adventurous than it is because our mm. good friend Loaxana Troy arrives on the Enterprise and she's got one goal to find a husband. Ooh. Because she is horny on Maine. Maine. <laughs> 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 Bye.